Welcome. Hi, Bethany White. I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. Okay, so just a heads up, my head feels like it's going to explode any second. I have a headache. We have a ton of stuff to go through, and it's really heavy stuff tonight. I don't know why I should be surprised when I say it's heavy. I think I tell you that every single Sunday, like, it's going to be really heavy tonight, and then it is. It shouldn't be a surprise, but it just is. And uh, so we're going to rock through this, and I don't really care about my headache. I'm going to push through it. So if I'm boring, I expect you to push through it because I'm pushing through it. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles there, or if you don't have a Bible, there's some in front of you, brand new ESVs that we have there. So we use, or it's going to be up on the screen for the most part. Don't know totally where I'm going, so some of it may not be there. I'm already using Habakkuk. And a verse reference, so who knows where we'll end up tonight. Fun stuff. We're going to be, so we're in Acts. We're doing this whole series through Acts. We'll, we'll be here, I don't even know how much longer. We're in chapter 5, and we're about a year and a couple months in. So um, there's 28 chapters. Um, so we, we got some ways to go. So I don't know when we're going to be done with this series. we got Christmas coming up, so we'll be taking a little break to do some stuff over Christmas. But we're going to be here for a while, but you're going to see a trend through Acts that just won't go away, to be honest. It's going to be suffering. And so what we're doing is we're actually taking these next two weeks, and we almost want to prepare you for what you're going to read as we go through this. We're doing two weeks of suffering. Yay! Everybody sounds pumped about that. Um, but it's going to be good. It, it, and one of the things we want you to understand when we're talking about suffering is that it, it breeds a certain kind of joy. And we're going to get to that today. And, and hopefully this will be something that we'll start grasping as Christians because I have a feeling it's something just as a whole we're just not really good at. And just being honest, suffering is all around us. It, it, it just flat out is. We see it way too much. Just turn on the TV. You trying to figure out what that ring is, Ryan? I see him back there. It scares me when he starts playing at the soundboard. Um, but the bottom line is there's suffering everywhere around us. It's, it's all around. It's something we come in contact with regularly. We've experienced it locally here this past week at the college. We, you've probably experienced it just at different levels. Our, our youth intern, Bistro, she spoke tonight at a, we have, I have a youth service before this at Webster Hall, and she spoke a little bit on suffering. And she even explained like, that she hasn't ex- experienced suffering at a level that we, th- we, we think of when we think of suffering, like people passing away and dying. She actually spoke about a breakup that she had with, in a relationship when she was in high school and she was 17 and like what that did to her. I mean, so even it, it, it's, it all just depends on where you are, but we have all experienced it. And so we think it's really important. And that, that's, that's the other reason we're preaching verse by verse through the Bible is we don't have the option when we do that to skip anything. Because this stuff would be a lot easier to not touch on, just being honest. This isn't fun to study all week, reading about people dying in the Bible. It's not exactly the most fun. I'd much rather read the cool stuff about like people getting eaten by whales and bears coming out of the woods and eating 42 youths. That's in the Bible, Second Kings, if you ever want to read it. It's an awesome story, one of my favorite ones ever. But I'd rather do that stuff, but we can't. So let me pray, and let's get to work, because we've got a lot of stuff to do. Father God, uh, I don't really I just have a ton of words tonight, which is kind of odd for me, <laughs> but uh, 
I, I pray that this place tonight, as we talk about a difficult topic, can be a sanctuary for people. Uh, we, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be present because your Holy Spirit is the great comforter. And it is what we need in times when we do suffer. God, I, I pray for people in here who may be suffering right now or have experienced it or I, I, I hate to be negative, God, but we just know it's coming if we're not in it. So God, I just pray for these people that, that you will comfort us, that you, you will calm our hearts. God, let your work Words speak true tonight. God, we just we give this time over to you. And me, just before I present it, I, I just want to say I'm so sorry for all the areas that I've just been disobedient to you. So please forgive me of that. In your name I pray. Amen. Cool. Acts chapter 5. Let's go. We're going to read the whole text, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Uh... I almost went youth group money there. I almost had you start telling me, does anybody remember what we talked about last week? And just have somebody start shouting it out. But last week, did, does anybody remember what we talked about at all? Like, or is it just like, I have no idea. Just a tip, when we're going verse by verse, I bet you can guess what we're going to teach on next week. You could probably read that and, and, and see where we're going to be. But basically, here's what's been going on, is, is the apostles. The apostles, capital A apostles. That means that they were with Jesus, and they wrote the Bible, pretty big chunks of it, some of them. That's, that's some of the qualifications to be an apostle. Like, I can't be an, a capital A apostle because, well, I never actually physically saw Jesus. They did. These guys are doing it. They're out there, and they're just killing it. We've talked about signs and wonders. They're out there. There's, there's some crazy stuff going on where, like, people are just trying to, like, get touched by the shadow of Peter because they'll be healed of whatever sickness they have. Um, people are coming from all towns all around. Um, we see that people are fearing God, but not in like a negative way, not like, oh man, you guys are creepy, but like your God is thinking powerful. I want to be around that kind of way. We see that happening. We see uh, all sorts of stuff. We see, we see the, the, the local church, in a sense, the, the synagogues, the, the temple leaders really getting ticked about this. Not really liking it. And we, we, we saw last week that they actually got thrown in jail. But then an angel came and broke them out. And then they went and they stayed right where they were. And they kept preaching. So that's where we're picking it up this week. So let's start reading verse 27 is where we're going to pick it up. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, I, I love this, because the, you have to understand something that the apostles do well, is they handle the situation appropriately. These guys are looking to accuse them. He just cuts straight to the point with it, and he's really not that apologetic about it. So right in here he says, But Peter answered, and, and, the, apostles, and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on the tree. Well, I just, just so you know, if you've ever played a sport of any sort, like I was a baseball player, and so here's something you don't do to an umpire. You don't use the word you. It makes it really personal. Like, just, just an example. If, if I was sitting there and there was a bad call, I would say, oh, is that outside? I wouldn't say... You, you, that was outside, you missed it. it. It's totally different. So he's cutting straight to the point. He's diving in. He's saying, you killed him. 
You hung him on the tree, which means the cross. So he goes straight into it, and he, and he says this. Verse 31. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given, given to those who obey him. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. That's some pretty deep anger. Verse 34. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care of what, what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and, and came to nothing. Verse 37. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For it is this plan or the undertaking of man... I'm sorry. For if this plan or, is, or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Okay, let's stop there for a minute before we get to verse 40. Basically what's happening is this guy stands up and he says, Hey, listen, before we just freak out and start killing people here, I, 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 this is kind of funny because this guy, even though he's not a Christian, he's not a follower of Jesus, he stands up and he's like, let's chill out a little bit here, guys. Let's not just, because what, what, what did it say? They just rose up and they wanted to kill them all. The thing is, we, we know that there's a place for that because all of the apostles were martyred except for one, and he was exiled. So it wasn't time yet, but it was coming. But he says, hold up. Because what, what does he say? He, he names off a couple of guys. Because it wasn't uncommon of this time to have guys rise up and claim to be the Messiah. They would rise up and claim to be the Messiah, because that's what the Jews were waiting for, right? If we understand Jewish history at all, what, the, the whole Old Testament is based around the coming of Jesus. And he came. A lot of them missed it. Well, actually, almost all of them missed it. But several guys had come before that. So there was kind of a reason to be a little, you know, who's this guy, right? And so, so, so this guy comes in, and he has, to be honest, he's pretty practical, right? He's like, hey, if this Jesus guy really is the Messiah, then we're in some deep trouble here. He says, because what, what's he say? He says, we may be found to actually opposing God. To us, we go, oh man, that would really suck. But you have to understand, to oppose God in this culture was a big, big deal. I mean, these guys were the cream of the crop, right? They, they understood the law, they understood the rules. Their whole life was built around not opposing God, but upholding the law of God. But he says, if he's like any of these other guys, He'll just die out. So they listened to him. Let's go to verse 40. And they called in the apostles. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Okay, verse 40. They beat them. We're going to spend most of our time on this point tonight, actually. They beat them. What this actually means is this. Is, is it's not like they threw them into the octagon. I don't know if anybody else watched UFC 104 last night. The main fight was kind of lame, but the other fights were good. Um, 
it's not like that. They don't throw him into the cage and they have gloves and there's no referees sitting there and they beat him down and they get a little bloody. What they would actually do is, is you got X amount of lashings and it was basically across the chest and across the back. 13, 13 times on each side would be the standard. We don't, it doesn't tell us specifically what happened, but that would be the, the actual standard of the law at the time. So we can assume that. We can take license with that. But basically, they just got the crap beat out of them. And, and, and it's not just like with a whip. It's actually they're braided with rocks and fish bones and things like that. So when it actually hits, it just rips the skin. So it's a pretty ugly situation. So basically, it says, okay, we won't kill him, but we're going to beat on, beat on him for a while and tell him to stop. So they get beat on for a little while. Verse 41. This is where it gets crazy. Then they left the president of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house that did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Okay, Can, just before we, we dive into the meat of this, let's just be really honest with this situation because here's the tension for me is I want to be a lot more like that. Right? I, I don't know about you. It, it's nuts. They left rejoicing. That's not like, oh, we're so happy. Like, I mean, they were pumped that they just got beaten. Can we just agree that that's a little strange? That they were really excited about this? It doesn't make sense. It's not a practical way to live, right? This is not the life that your mom would say, oh, let's go to send you to college so you can go get crap beat out of you and you can rejoice in it and you can run around and keep getting beat on every day. That is not the life your parents want for you, but this is the life that they wanted. They said that we were counted worthy to suffer this. There's a couple things we just need to dispel here. Vast... Not about, I don't want to do it injustice. There's a big chunk of Christian teaching out there that teaches this. And I'm just here to tell you it's a lie. It is this, is that if you follow God well, you do the rules right, you don't, you don't drink in public, but you just keep it under your sink, or you don't have sex with multiple partners who you don't know, and things like that. You don't do those things, and you go to church, and you're in a small group, and you tithe. That's a big one, too. You give money to the church. You do those things, and you follow all the rules that God will bless you more than somebody else, or that he will be more happy with you. It's this whole thing, and I know it might sound redundant that we talk about this every week, but it's really important that we understand this is not a prerequisite for following Jesus. It's not a, a, a whole entire list of rules that you follow so that God will love you. That's absurd. That is not Christianity. That is religion. Religion says basically this. It says that I do things to please God so that he will love me. Christianity teaches this. It says that I respond because he does love me. Totally different. And when we do it the other way, all of a sudden it's like we're trying to fulfill all of these things and we think that because we've been good, you guys ever hear that? People say that a lot. I, I get it a lot. This is my job. I, I talk to people about Jesus a lot. And one of the biggest things I get is, well, I'm good. 
And, and a lot of times I get it from Christians. I'm like, the level of good is, that's just not tangible. That's not a measuring stick that I think we really want to play around with. Because I think if we really broke ourselves down, how many of us in here would go, man, my thoughts are so good today? Man, I wanted to, earlier today, me and this guy, we went, I, my thoughts were not pure. He's just saying some stupid stuff to me. It wasn't pure. It was not Christ-like. I promise you that. And that's not a good thing on my part. But what happens when somebody dies? What happens when what you prayed for doesn't happen? Do you understand that just following this Jesus so you get blessed? And when I say blessed, I don't mean God blessed. I mean like I'm going to have money, nice car, nice house. Do you understand that those things don't really necessarily just go hand in hand? They just don't. I, I, I thought of some examples. There's this guy in the Bible, his name's Job. At one point... Apparently, everybody in the earth is pretty wicked because Satan comes to him. It's a cool story. Straight. The book's called Job. It's spelled like Job. It's pretty easy to find. But the whole story is this, is that Satan's like, I'll go tempt him. And he literally gets everything ripped away from him. And God says he's the most faithful man. He got everything taken away from him. There's, I, I have a couple of guys that I really like to follow. I like to read. One of the guys' names is John Owen. Just this amazing mind, this amazing writer. John Owen had 13 kids. 13 kids. That's crazy, first off. He had 13 kids. But this guy, like the guys that I like to follow, that I like to read, like John Piper and things, John Owen was their biggest influence. He literally, kind of what you're getting here, he helped shape the modern day church. He, he was just a giant, a theological mind. And he loved God so dearly, and he did so much great, so many great things. He had 13 kids, 11 of them died in his lifetime. I mean, you read his autobiography, and I really have a hard time finding a more faithful man that I, that, that I know of. Or another guy that I really like to realize, his name is Charles Spurgeon. Just a great influence of mine. Um, he had the first like big church. He had a church in England at one point that hit 3,000 people, which that was unheard of for that point of time in history. And people were just coming to Christ like crazy to hear this guy. Just so faithful, wrote so many amazing books, just did it right, just did so many great things while he was alive. And he suffered with severe depression and spent years in bed because he couldn't get out. Or... Biblical figure, a guy named David, King David. I'm sure a lot of us have heard of him. David and Goliath, if, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, that's probably the most famous story that you have of him. In, in the book of Psalms, 13 times he says, O oh Lord, my enemies have surrounded me, and they want to kill me. He's the man after God's own heart, right? How do we explain this? How does this fit into our faith? How does this fit into our theology? Because to be honest, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, does it? I have a couple of things that I, I think, and I'll start here. 
Matthew chapter 7. A lot of us are familiar with the story. We've heard it several times. There's a story, of, of, it's a parable that Jesus told. And, and what it is is that one guy, he's really smart. And he builds his house on a rock. Right? He, some of you are tracking with me now. Like, oh, yeah, I've heard that story. I flannel graphed that several times when I was a little kid. Um, you, you, he built his house on a rock so it was stable. Another guy saw his house was like, man, I like a house like that. But he was stupid and he built it on the sand. That was Matt's paraphrase. The Bible doesn't say it that way, but that's basically what it says. It says, he built his house on the sand, which was dumb. And the storm came, and the guy who was dumb, his house fell over. We always go, man, I don't want to be the dumb guy. But I think there's a little inter- intertwined thing in there that we may forget. The guy who built his house on the rock, he still got hit by the storm. A lot of times we think if we build our house on the rock, the storm doesn't come there. It's just not true. It's just saying that he was able to withstand it. It didn't say that he didn't have the suffering. He didn't have the trials. It just says that he was able to withstand it. His foundation was strong enough. Do you see the difference? Big difference. Acts 5.41, let's bring that up. Brian's asleep. (laughs) Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Here's here's the point tonight. For me personally is this is that I want, this is the only way I could visualize it in my head. I'm a, I'm a really visual guy. When I, when I think this stuff through, I have to have a visual aspect to it. So maybe that'll work for some of you, maybe it won't. But this is, this is what I've been praying all week as preparing this. I want to taste what they tasted. And I want to see how they saw. These guys. I, I want that kind of vision in my life. I want to taste that kind of whatever it is that they had for God, that when they got beat on, that literally they rejoiced in that. I want that. I I don't know if you do too. I I think you do. And if if you're saying I don't, I think you're lying. But that's, that's a whole other sermon. We'll deal with liars later. But... Let's just dive in because I'm, I'm going to get stuck there all night if I don't go. Here's a couple things I want to tell you about suffering. First one is this. I think too many times we think suffering is the wrath of God on us. I don't think suffering is the wrath of God on us, but I think it's the love of God on us. I know that's weird, and I'll explain it. As we go through this more, I, I hope that by the end you'll have a clear picture of this, but but let me say it again. I think that suffering a lot of times is not the wrath of God. It's not God being like, man, he blew it. Watch this. That's kind of silly to begin with, okay? God's a lot bigger than that. He doesn't sit there and go, oh, look at Michelle. Watch this. Let me make her suffer a little bit. That, he doesn't do that. It's not in the will of God. It's not the character of God, and he doesn't act that way. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Let's go there. It 
2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. I think this verse backs us up a little bit. This is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul stood in the Bible. Dude just brought his A game every week, never had an off week. I mean, seriously, this guy was the real deal. This guy was so... Okay, I've met some really good preachers and some like... just. You ever meet those creepy holy people? That, like Not like they're creepy. They are kind of creepy, but they're just like... They're just oozing with holiness. Like they're like... Oh, brother. And then you're like, yes. And you're like, what, what, what do you want to tell me? I'll do whatever you want. You know, the, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I know I've known a couple guys like that. And guys are like gifted with the gift of prophecy and stuff. And for some of you, that may be super weird. But they just be like, oh, hey, is this going on in your life? I'm like, ah. I, I've met some of these people that are just like that. And they're just so amazing. And they couldn't even hold a stick to Paul. Paul was this kind of guy. It, it talks about that he was wearing an apron. Okay, look. Get, get Betty Crocker out of your mind, not that kind of apron. And like he would throw it out because it was like dirty and people would like try to go find it because if they could find it, they could go take it to their sick friend and throw it on them and they'd be healed. I ain't never met a dude like that, okay? But that's the kind of guy Paul was. He was legit. I mean, he did it. And here's what he has to say. Verse 7. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave, leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am not content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hear me on this. God loved Paul. He did. And it says that he suffered. Listen, Hear me on this. I don't care if you follow Jesus or not. He loves you. Just as much as he loved Paul. And Paul was a stud. It blows my mind that he loves me. I was nothing like Paul. I am nothing like Paul. And I don't think I ever will be. But hear me. God's love is not conditional on your suffering, okay? Okay? Listen, I, I don't have some big theological thing to blow you away with to prove this. I have some stories I'm going to share with you towards the end, but, but just if you can just at least open your heart to it, that maybe, just maybe, your present suffering is not God's hate for you. Because God... Loves you. He loved Paul. And, he, and, 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 and you know what's crazy about this? Can't you just relate with this? I mean, Paul puts it in a really eloquent way because he was a smart guy. He says, man, I begged him three times to take it away. And it didn't go. How many of us have been there? Please, please. I remember uh, Ari's brother was in a, in, in a car wreck and it was really serious. Really serious. And I remember we sat there and we just prayed, 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 prayed. And he totally survived and came through it. But like, 
I really just wanted him, like, I wanted the doctors to walk in that day and be like, oh my gosh, you're all put back together and you're fixed. And that just didn't happen. He's going to have chronic pain for the rest of his life. Here's what I think, and, and, and this might sound tough, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to soften the blow here afterwards, so don't think I'm just a jerk as I say this. Okay, I promise I'm not. Actually, I cry all the time. It's really embarrassing. I, I'm amazed that I haven't done it in a sermon in a while. I think we might have a really broken view of God. And here's what I mean by this is basically once a year, 9-11, we all get together, and it is sad. I'm not saying it's not, but we get together and we just go, how could this happen? How could this happen? How could God let this happen? This was so horrible. I don't know how often we've said, thank you, God, for letting all these 66 million other flights since aviation has started land. I don't know, at least in my life, maybe you're different. Maybe you just got your act together a lot more than me. But I don't know how much I wake up in the morning and I go, thanks, God. Look around me, I'm I'm breathing, I'm kicking. I got a a beautiful wife who can sing like nobody's business. You just saw that. I I, I get to come to, I get to do the job that I love. And I I don't know if I I get up every day and I'm like, oh, thank you, God, for giving me this job. And I walk in here. And and I'm not talking about the creepy guy that's like kind of faking it, you know, like, oh, thank you, God, for this traffic jam. And And even though he really hates it, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about having that thankfulness or everywhere I want, I'm just like, God, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much that I'm not eating crap food, except for when I choose to. Um, thank you, God, for, for, for giving me and giving me and giving me and giving me. But yet, all of a sudden, when bad happens, I'm like, how could you? There's a pastor, I really like, his name is Matt Chandler, and, and he, he put it like this, and I thought it was a great analogy. If I walked around here, and I was like, all right, Gabby, here's 50 bucks. Corey, here's 20 bucks. You know, ben, here's 100 bucks. You looked out. And I just went around and just gave everybody different, different things. N- nobody in here would be like, that Matt is such a jerk. How could he do this and give me 20 and give Ben 100? Oh, I hate him. You wouldn't do that. God's given to all of us richly. How come for sometimes when it's just less or it's not what we think is right, we go, how could you, God? I think we have a really broken view of God. Romans 8.18 says this. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What I'm going through now, compared to the glory that Jesus has for me as his son or daughter, it pales in comparison. Do you, do you grab a hold of that for a second and let that sink in? Because that's one of the verses you've probably heard. You've probably seen it on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or a coffee cup at one point or another. You've probably heard it before and you've heard it just done in a weird way. But just let that grasp. The worst 
feeling that you've ever felt. The worst. If you were to be able to flip that into amazingness, that amazingness would pale in comparison to the goodness that God has for you. The apostles, some of those guys I spoke about at the beginning, I think they really understood that well. They're like, you want to beat on me? Sure. You don't even know because if you're beating on me and like it, to the point where my skin's coming up, how good is God going to be? Do you know what I have coming? Do you know what awaits me? That's just a totally different way of viewing it than I ever have thought of viewing it. Being honest. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 115.3, says this. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Sometimes I just need to hear that. I don't know about you. Sometimes, it, let's just be honest, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Right? Sometimes it just doesn't add up. Sometimes I just need to know that God is God and he does what he pleases. And that I know that he is good. And you go, man, that's not very substantiated, Matt. And I go, I know, but that's called faith. Because here's the thing with this Christian deal. is I can lay it all out for you. I can give you all the facts. I can do all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. Is that until the faith comes involved, there is a deep level of faith and what you're just not going to see or understand. That's why it's so hard. But I hope for maybe some of you, and I, I think this person here, just because maybe some of you just need to hear that, that sometimes God is just God. And I know that he's in control and he does what he pleases. One thing I, I want to clarify, here, here's a softer part, I want to give you this. Soften the blow a little bit is that I'm not saying here that suffering, that you're supposed to like, if you have a close friend who dies or if you have a family member who dies or a situation that just goes horrible or there's an addiction of a friend or, I'm, listen, I'm not saying we become these like catatonic, like we don't really care, we don't get affected by anything because that isn't what God's calling you to. Shortest verse in the Bible is this, and Jesus wept. His friend died. What did Jesus do? He wept. He cried for him. This is not a call for you to be this fake kind of, I, I'm just doing this and everything's good and I'm going to rejoice in every suffering because rejoicing, do you think that they were like, that they were really happy about not having any skin left on their chest or back? You think they were happy? We're going to see it in the, next week when Stephen, their good friend, gets killed? No. They wept. It's okay to have emotion with this. And I have to throw that in there because if I don't, I think we could really run an error of just, because you're, you're going to. And, and, and if you're not, you're just going to be lying to yourself. That's just not real. Second point is this. I don't want a conditional faith. 
Do you? I, I, I don't. I don't want to have a conditional kind of, well, if this works out, then I'll follow you. That's not really being a good follower of a big God. That's me wanting to be God and him do what I want him to do, and that's just not how he works. This is kind of a strange sentence, but I wrote it down. It says this, I want to love the governing hand of God. I want to love it. I want to get it. I want to be part of it. I want to be able to say, I don't understand God, but you are God and I trust you. I want any circumstance, I want my faith to grow. Here's the thing, is this morning Tom brought up a, and, and they're just not here. We had a whole group of people up here who just literally have just suffered hell. I mean, they've just gone through some bad stuff. I'm talking widows, you know, left with a couple of sons. I'm talking sisters being killed in car accidents. I'm talking the worst of the worst. And, and I don't know all your stories, okay? I, I, I get that. And I'm sure some of you in here have, have experienced that or worse. There's a weird thing because these people that were standing up here, and, and what, what I tend to find is the people who have suffered greatly in their faith survived or went through are just some of the strongest, most godly, God-loving people I have ever met. You won't hear this term very often, but open your Bibles to Habakkuk. If you know where that is. Habakkuk chapter 3. It's after, it's in the, towards the back of the Old Testament. This is what I want my prayer life to be like. I'm just going to lay that there. This is, this is what I want it to be like. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be in the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That's what I want it to be like. Do you, do you see what, 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 the, what the prophet here is saying? If nothing happened how I think it should happen, I want to rejoice in the Lord. I got some work to do. Last point is this, is Suffering can bring the most amazing joy. And before I explain that, I have to, if you ever want to read just a phenomenal book, there's one by C.S. Lewis called Surprised by Joy. They give you a deep understanding of what joy is. And he defines it in just this amazing way. Happiness is an emotion. It comes, it goes, it's up and it's down. But joy is a state of being. It is a Christian. 
let's not get any false ideas out here, that Paul really loved getting the crap beat out of him. He was not happy about getting beat down. He got beat down to the point twice where people thought he was dead and left him. He was not happy about that. But he did have joy. Because he understood who his God was and he loved him greatly. And just as we talked about in Romans 8 earlier, about how, it's, and about how he understood that the worst, worst that he could suffer pales in comparison to the greatest great that, he will, that God has for him. He understood that. He had a grasp on that. One of the people this morning, and I, I asked him if I could share. I, I was hoping he'd be able to make it tonight, but he, he couldn't. Um, it, some of you may know him. His name is Brent Neelam. He's a football coach at Western. He's an elder here. He's technically one of my bosses. He's, he's a good, good friend of mine. His wife's a good friend of my wife and, and I. And um, Most people don't know. He's, he's kind of a reserved guy. and Actually, he's kind of an intimidating guy, but... Um, Here's his deal. Is, is he was in high school. He was a junior. His sister was... He was a senior. His sister was a sophomore. Thank you. And they were leaving... He was leaving school. His sister was in the car talking about the day. Came over a hill. A bus had stopped. Car stopped behind the bus. It was his friend. He stopped behind the car. He heard a noise. Looked in the rearview mirror. There was a car coming over the hill. And slammed into him. The car was doing 110 miles an hour. It was a kid from his school. Slammed into him. Threw the car 120 feet off the road. Slammed his friend's car into the bus. He, he, he looked over at his sister. And she said, what happened? He said, we got hit. And then he blacked out. He woke up and she was looking at him. Except for she was unconscious. Make a long story short. Basically that night she died. Now, Brenton will be the first one to tell you for a long, long, long time. He's pretty angry. He's pretty angry at that guy. He's pretty angry at the whole situation. He's pretty angry at God. And you have to understand something. Brenton's dad is a pastor. He grew up around this whole thing. He knew the truth. He knew the stuff. He'd heard it all a million times. And he got up here this morning, and he shared... Literally, and, and this may sound so weird, but he said, I wouldn't change any of it for anything. I wouldn't be literally who he, he was today if that situation wouldn't have happened. Is he happy about it? No. That would be weird and messed up. But he understands there was something bigger at play. And when you have a right view of God like Brenton had, he understands this, that the years that he gave his sister was a gift. When we understand life as a pure gift, that you are breathing and walking around right now as a gift, it is not unfair for God to give 16 and give some 80. It is his to give and take away. And that's such a hard term to grasp. And I understand. So you may be sitting here going, man, I don't just get that yet. And the only way you will get that is if the Holy Spirit falls in your heart and just shapes it in a way that makes that an understandable thing. Maybe it'll make more sense if I put it this way. And I'll wrap up. 
I don't think any of us in here right now would take this. If I could offer you a life, no suffering, perfection, all that kind of stuff, and never understand the mercies of God, I, I don't think I'd want it. I think I'd rather take life with suffering, to be honest. So that I can understand the rich mercies God, God has for me. I, I can understand the Holy Spirit being, as what it calls it, the great comforter. To come and walk beside me. To be with me. To help. There's so many names for God in the Bible, it's just amazing. Helper, comforter. He goes down the list, and, and you know what? I, I really wouldn't have a very good picture of him. Let me finish up with this. Is we are not, we are not, I repeat, we are not objects of wrath. We are objects of mercy. And you need to understand that because that is why Jesus came and died. You have a God that doesn't sit here and let you suffer on your own. He walks with you. And a matter of fact, he actually has suffered greater than any of us ever will. This is a God that literally understands your suffering because he has felt it himself. He took the beatings himself. He took the sin on himself. When he was hanging on the cross, it wasn't just the, the fact that he was in pain. Most theologians, I've read that they write about this, is that how when he was up there, literally, the weight of the world was on his shoulders. We say that loosely. He literally felt it. Every sin, every negative, every rape, every homicide, every death, every just problem that the world would see, he felt in that moment. It's called the great exchange. That's what Martin Luther called it. Is when he took that on himself. It's not some God up in the sky in some distant off land floating around on clouds, listening to harps play all day and has no idea what you're going through. He is very personal. He's very real. And he understands at a level that any friend, any pastor, any wife, every girlfriend, any parent will just can't. Shortest verse in the Bible is, and Jesus wept. Trust me. Did he want suffering to happen? No. Is he surprised by it? Not in the least bit. He is sovereign. He is king. He knows. He wants to help. Some of us, we just need to let him. Some of us need to be more around People like, that are sitting next to you right now. Because maybe you've just been suffering way too long. And I'm not saying, listen to me, I'm not saying it's going to go away, okay? I'm not going to tell you that. It's too many of us have scars and, and you're going to wear it for life. It's not like following Jesus, I'm saying he just erases your memory.
an amazing baseball coach told me this once. I, 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 and I hate to just demoralize it to the low point of sports, but it's how I understand is I had a coach one time tell me, just forget about it. Put it off till the next day. Don't just, you have to have a short memory. Just forget about it. This coach came to me and he said, Matt, you don't forget about it ever. You remember how bad that felt. You remember how messed up that was. And you use that as an understanding that when one of your teammates is there, that you can bring them up out of it. You learn from what happened there. I think too many of us are just sitting here suffering way too much. We need some help. And he wants to help. Um, I'm going I'm to pray to close us up here. And this is different. It's not my normal style at all. But what I'm going to do is this. is um, Just out of faith, we do this. This morning we had a baptism service. And it was awesome. Um, and, and, and here's what baptism is. It, is it, it doesn't mean you're saved. It's not what saves you. Okay? It's a public show of that I am a follower of Jesus and that I've died to sin and I've raised to new life. Somebody said, well, why should you get baptized? Well, my wife, I think, had the best answer of all time. She said, well, because Jesus did it. It's a pretty good reason. Just understand, it's not what saves you and doesn't save you, okay? But it is a public show. We had people get baptized this morning, and one of the things we like to do here is this, is um, we leave it open. We just say, hey, if... If maybe you've never received Christ, we want you to. Because, I don't know if it's obvious, I hope it is. We like Jesus a whole lot here. And secondly, is that we want to help you, want to join you. And maybe it's, it is a calling on your heart to, to do it. And I'm extremely uncomfortably wearing a swimsuit under my pants right now. And I'm willing to make a complete fool of myself. If we're, we're going to play a song, and if, if you've never been baptized one as a Christian, I would encourage you to do it. We've done it with people fully clothed several times. We have towels. We have that kind of stuff. Um, I'll look ridiculous and strip down right up here and hop in with you. You shouldn't strip down because if you're wearing a bathing suit under your clothes, that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but if, if you have that calling on your heart, I encourage you to do it. Trust me, you're not going to be as embarrassed in front of the big church. This is much easier. But I'm going to pray, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray basically two prayers. I'm going to pray for those of us who, who, who do believe in Jesus and follow him. That our prayer will look like the prophets in, in the Old Testament when they say, if you took it all away, I would still rejoice you. I, I want to pray for us that maybe that... Um, that as I said earlier, that maybe we can see as they saw and taste as they tasted. Because whatever it was, they left rejoicing. And I need help understanding that. And I'll, and I'll pray for you that if you haven't been baptized and that's something that you want to do, that you should come up and, and we can do that. And then I'm going to pray for those of you who may not believe in Christ. And, and, and if you want to accept him for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, maybe you forgot exactly who he was and you haven't heard him in a long time, I want you to pray. Not, 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 trust me, it's not anything that I'm going to be doing here that's going to be what 
makes you right with God. But we believe in this. We believe that he did die for our sins. He lived the perfect life for us. He suffered the ultimate suffering so that we wouldn't be alone. So we wouldn't be able to say, we have some distant God who doesn't know what I'm going through. So that he would, so you would be able to say, this God, this God's the real deal, man. He led by example. That he died. He was buried and that he rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death once and for all, and he will not do it again. Some crazy stuff, but it will rock your world, trust me. Seven years ago, I would never have guessed I'd be sitting right here. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to pray for these people in here right now that follow you, that love you, that really do want to be closer to you. I, I, trust, I trust that your Holy Spirit's going to do work in them. And, and God, man, I'm so sorry if I have in any shape or form misrepresented your word here today. And I just ask that you remove that from their hearts and their minds, but that your, the, the truth that was spoken here tonight from your word will permeate this room that your Holy Spirit will fall. And God, I just want to pray for them that we'll, we'll, be, we'll be kind of weird, crazy people who can suffer great sufferings and still rejoice, as weird as that may be. And I want to pray for, for, for the follower of Jesus in here who maybe is suffering alone. God, just put it on their heart just to not do it alone anymore, that, that you want to come beside them and that the body of Christ wants to come beside them. Take care of them, God. Help us understand this tough doctrine, this tough stuff. God, I pray for the person in here who doesn't know you. And I'm sure they're just so confused right now by anything I've just said and just like, what in the world is going on? And God, I, I don't have all the answers for them, but, but you do. God, as it says in Corinthians, that, that maybe some of our hearts are just blinded. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will fall on that heart and open it up. And for some reason, all of a sudden, it just clicks. I can't describe it any more than that. That all of a sudden, what the world sees as foolish becomes the most glorious treasure ever offered to man and makes incredible sense for some strange reason. I just pray that for them. And if that is you, just pray with me that just make these words your own. Father God, help me. I have fallen short and I, I, I know it. God, I don't want to worship the created anymore. I want to worship the creator, the God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who loves me, the God who sent his son to come and live in perfectness and just righteousness. I know I haven't, but he has. And that he died for me. And I, and I thank you so much for that, God. I accept that. And I believe that he did rise. And I believe that he conquered death. And then I believe that he put the heel of Satan's head. And he crushed him on that day. Though he's not defeated, he is hurt. And God, I want to be part of what you're calling us to be. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to move forward. 
In your name I pray. Amen.